What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to or watching, as the case may be, Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father. Pure religion in the face of being persecuted. And we're doing something today for the very first time. I've got, I think I've got a thousand episodes of Christianity or uh, cogitations under my, po- under my belt on my podcast channel. And we have never streamed live on uh, Instagram. Understanding the time. Uh, Christianity now, we want to be sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know how Israel ought to go. What's up for the folks that are joining on Instagram? We've got folks watching. Uh, Texas, Tamala and Jesse May. Uh, we're going we're gonna to give a wave. Well, buddy, I got to be very, very careful because as soon as I press give a wave, It asked me if I wanted to remove them from the live stream. I'm like, no, I don't want to remove anybody from the live stream anyway. um, So if you are on Instagram and you want to follow us over there, it's on the screen. You can't see it on the Instagram live stream, but it is on the stream. It is on the screen on YouTube, um, Facebook, and yeah, YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, formerly known as, or X, formerly known as Twitter. Anyway, um, let me see if I can get some of this back. It's good to see everybody here. I'm so thankful for the crowd that we have, uh, in the live stream and, uh, John Exum, Reginald Perry. It's good to see you. Um, remember if you follow us on Instagram, if you can, now I've got some really, really good news before we, uh, get started with the meat of our podcast. I want to talk a little bit about these Bibles here. Uh, these are the apologetics press uh, AP study Bibles, defending the faith. Hold on a second. I've got a nail sticking out of my table. That's not good. Um, let me pull up the graphic for that. Uh, apologetics press defending the faith, personal carry edition of their big boy study Bible. Now it doesn't have near the commentary and, uh, near the resources and stuff in it like that, but it does have a really good segment of, uh, of information and I'll hold it up there. Uh, again, it's just a, a new King James it's made. I believe it's made. Yeah. Tom, probably Thomas Nelson bound it for him. If I'm, if I'm looking correctly, if I'm, well, I can't tell anyway, it's probably Thomas Nelson or something like that, but it's really good. I, my only beef with it is the uh, double co- double column uh, paragraph form. I do not like a double column paragraph form. I like double column where each verse begins on a new line, but a lot of people like the double column paragraph, and this little personal size Bible uh, would be really nice. It's This is not leather. This is imitation, but it would be really nice even if you wanted to take this and buy you a few of them for as cheap as they are and take one and send it off and have it bound in something really, really nice. Uh, I know that I like goat skin, uh, pebbled calf skin, stuff like that. Anyway, 
It's really good, and we are very excited to have these. We ordered 50 of them, and the folks in the congregation ordered eight besides for their personal use, and we're going to be using these for Bible studies, passing them out to prospects for Bible studies and stuff like that, uh, trying to just incorporate them into our evangelism. Uh, we're, we're really excited about it, but I just wanted to show them to you. Uh, I really love what the people over at Apologetics Press are doing. They are not sponsoring the show. I'm doing this for free, and I will continue to do it for free because I think it's a worthy effort. And incidentally, to get these Bibles in Canada, we paid twelve dollars or $1,300 for uh, 58 plus the big boy Apologetics Press defending the faith study Bible. And a congregation helped us out with some of that, but we, we didn't need the help. We, I mean, we, that's a silly thing to say. We could, we had the budget to get the Bibles and what this congregation did, uh, they said, Hey, listen, we've been blessed and we want to bless you. So they paid the shipping. So it was, it was like $600 shipping us. So as a huge, it was a huge endeavor to get them to shipped. But what we had to do is we had to ship them from Apologetics Press to uh, individuals in the States and then ship them to us here in Canada. Uh, Devond, good to see you. Good morning. Uh, haven't haven't seen you in the live stream before. Welcome. Uh, hopefully you enjoy your stay. Susan Marie, John Exum, my giant print LSB is double column paragraph, but the verses are bolden. Ah, so that... I still would like each verse begins on a new line, but, um, I like that. I like the fact that in other words, if I had to use a double column paragraph, I would want the verses to be boldened. So when I'm lecturing, I can look down and my eyes easily finds where I am. That's my only problem with double column paragraph. It is purely a matter of, of personal preference. Um, I'm going to get this overlay off the screen before I do. Uh, if you want to follow us, the best place to help us, the best place to promote our content, and the best place to promote us monetarily is Substack. Go to Substack, search Christianity Now, you'll find us. And then, of course, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Rumble. And today, I'm excited to say we're streaming on Instagram. So, uh, And it's, I'm not going to tell you how many people are in the live stream, but it's not empty. So... For, for that for that one, well, I just did, didn't I? One person is watching on Instagram, and for you, I am thankful. Um, now, let me, let me get this overlay off of the screen. Ah, what am I doing? There we go. The AP personal Bible is sold out. It may be sold out because of us. We may have got to, um, whenever I called to place the order, um, they had to make sure that they had, and I think we got the last batch of the soft covers. Um, but anyway, Christ brings a sword. Yeah, he does. A lot of people forget that. Praise the Lord. Uh, and Terry Crooks, good morning. Let me make sure that I haven't missed anybody. No, I don't think I have. Reginald Perry, John Exum, Susan Marie, Terry Crooks. Okay. Yeah, Christ brings a sword. Good to see everybody. Now. Guys, I love the book of James, all right? I absolutely love the book of James. James is wisdom literature. The thesis 
and this is, this is my studied conviction. The thesis of the book of James is the very last verse of chapter one. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit or minister to the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Folks, if you can do that, you've got her licked. Now, the beautiful thing is we don't have to do it without any help. We have God through his word helps us. We need to study to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing of the word of truth. Uh, grace and peace will be multiplied unto us, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We add to our faith all these Christian virtues. How do we do that? By studying and by practicing our religion. And the more we do that, the stronger we are and the more difficult it is for the devil to entice us away from the light of God. I don't know any better way to explain that. And quite frankly, there is some supernatural involvement in that, even though, as I teach very adamantly, the age of miracles is over uh, and God doesn't work directly on the heart and mind of man to say that God, and that includes the father, the son, and the Holy spirit is not actively working in the world today is to render the father, the son, and the Holy ghost impotent. Well, that's not, I mean, who wants to, who wants to follow that God? Anyway, that's it. James can, uh, well, so here's the thing. Let's talk about this. I want to, I want to pull this up. I appreciate this. Now, Christ brings a sword. I'm going to push back on your comment here. It depends on what you mean by lose salvation. When I obey the gospel, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, I'm delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. I will never, ever slip, trip, and fall and be like, oops, I've lost my salvation. Where is it? I don't know. I will never find myself lost. I can be lost. I can make a decision to be lost, just like I can make a decision to be saved. The decision is on me. The onus is on me. The responsibility for salvation is upon man. It's been it's, the invitation has been extended to everyone. The same grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So it's it's up to me. And I'll never be like, just like I'll never wake up one morning like, oh, wow, I'm saved. I didn't realize. You'll never wake up one morning and be like, oh, I'm lost. I didn't realize. However, we can choose to leave the light. So I obey the gospel. Let's say I'm a Christian for 10 years. I do everything I'm supposed to do. I practice my pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father. And then because of temptation, I'm led away. I leave the light and go into the darkness. 
well, God's going to let me do that. God's going to let me exercise my free will. In fact, to say that a Christian cannot become lost once they become saved, well, does that apply to anybody who's ever been saved? For instance, Peter explicitly stated by Jesus Peter and the other apostles were in Christ. They were they had been taken out of the world and put in Christ, okay? But look at Peter. Peter said, well, I'll follow you to death. I'll walk to death with you. And Jesus just looks at Peter and says, Simon Peter, Satan hath desired you to sift you like wheat. But when you are converted, feed the brethren, strengthen the brethren, I should say. Well, converted from what? Well, Peter was in a right relationship with God through Christ Jesus. He left that light, and he had to be converted back. Same way with Christians. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. All right? What? I'm bleeding. Let me let me get the Bible out. I'm bleeding two different passages of Scripture here. Let's go to Galatians. Brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Will restore them. Why would they need restored? You see, they've fallen out of the graces. They've fallen out of God's grace. When I say fallen, they they are they were at a lofty height, and because of their own volition, they made a conscientious decision to leave, and now they need to be restored. So I try not to I try not to get into this theological argumentation of like, well, once saved, always saved, and can somebody lose it? It depends on what you mean by lose. The person who's overtaken in a fault, he didn't lose his salvation as in he misplaced it and now he don't know where it is. But the person who's overtaken in a fault decided to leave. He's like that 100th sheep. He was in the fold, but he wandered off. Now the shepherd went to get him. And when he found him, the sheep, the 99 and the angels in heaven, well, the, the angels in heaven rejoiced. But while that sheep was wandering outside the fold, until the shepherd got him again, he was lost and he would die outside the fold. All right. When the king seals with the signet ring, there can be no revoking his promise. Well, the thing about it is the promise is contingent upon your faithfulness. That's the thing. Um, I agree. We cannot lose our salvation like losing our keys and wallet. It is our decision to turn our backs on God. Absolutely. And, uh, oh, hello, sword and pearls. Good to see you. Um, Reginald Perry about the Bibles. They have no more when I called and they said they, they took them off the site. I was able to call and place an order for the imitation leather. Okay, cool. I hope you get one. Um, 
Yes, uh, John Exum's got Second Peter two twenty. That's a thing. Second Peter two twenty through twenty one. If somebody cannot become damned or condemned once they are saved, then, well, what's the what, what's the what's the metaphor here of a hog that is washed and goes back to wallow in the mire? That's it, th- those metaphors doesn't make any sense. And, um, I mean, look, even if you reverse on God and turn to hate God, if you are saved as a teenager, you are saved. So Christ brings a sword. Are you telling me? Well, then there, there, then, then th- that doesn't make any sense. That's a logical absurdity. So think about this, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. All right? Uh, In order to be pleasing to God, in order to be accepted of God, really, uh, you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Yet, no, once saved, always saved is absolute false doctrine. That is so sad. I had such high hopes for you, man. And you're not even given any book, chapter, and verse. You're not, you're, you're just, you're just, the way you're arguing is the equivalent of, well, your mama's dog is ugly. I mean, what, what you, like th- this right here is telling, even if you reverse on God and turn to hate God, if you are saved as a teenager, you are saved. Listen to this. We understand if then constructs. Go to First John chapter one, verse seven. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. If that is true with that grammatic construct, then the converse is true. So if we walk not in the light, we do not have fellowship with God, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, does not cleanse us from all sin. So how how can we how can how can you think how can you think that somebody who's walking in the light, who leaves the light and goes into darkness, can still be saved in the end? And incidentally, the we are sealed. Well, of course we are sealed if you continue. And what God would have you to do. In other words, the seal of your Christianity is your religion. It's your faith. All right? It's your doing what God says to do. That's your seal. It's a stamp of approval. The the same word for seal in that context in Ephesians is, it's a word used for an engagement ring. Yes, even the king can revoke the seal if you no longer meet the requirements of being sealed. That's a foolish argument. It's uninformed, and there's nothing in Scripture that states that or even alludes to that fact. Nothing whatsoever. And again, it's, it's, not, it's not like, I don't want to paint the picture, and this is fine. This is a good, this is a good podcast. I don't want to paint the picture if, you know, that, that God, the king, cannot revoke the seal. 
I need a book chapter, the book of Esther. You're looking at the law, the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be altered. That's a man-made thing. Do you think the God of heaven and earth? And again, you're, you're also thinking about it as a, re, a revocation. The signet ring of the king could not be revoked. Yes, it can. You can remove the stamp of approval if the individual does things that meet with disapproval. How in the world? That, like, that's such a foolish and uninformed argument. But he, the, the one on the screen is the one that, that we're going to hold your feet to the fire with. Are you saying that people who hate God, that God will make them go to heaven? Are you saying that if, if, if people who were once enlightened and have tasted of that heavenly gift, if they decide to leave and go into apostasy, and let's say they start murdering and raping, or raping and murdering, that would, well, murdering and rape, whatever, do you think then that those people will be in heaven? That they can be pleasing to God while they're doing this? What would ever be the reason to repent? This is right here. The sword and pearl said it. God won't override our free will. And again, I don't want to paint a picture of like sinners in the hands of the angry God. But I mean, God, that, that one of the attributes of God is wrath and vengeance. But let's go, let's go here to the book of Galatians and look at this. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you who are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. So, Jay Wise, I want to get your comments. I'm sorry that I'm overlooking them. Um, so here's a scenario. So let, let's just craft a one for one scenario. I'm going to use John Exum because I know John. Yeah. You got to bring some book chapter and verse, my man. When you accept Jesus Christ as your savior and repent to the Lord, then you are saved for eternity. No book chapter and verse. So here's the thing. Oh, good. Thank you, Jay Wise. And again, I, I am going to go back and get your comments because I've, I've been kind of eyeballing them. I think that that's, that, that's not what I mean. I've been seeing them out of the corner of my eye. Um, but anyway, I'll get them. So let me, let me finish this point. I'm going to focus on Jay Wise uh, comments. I think he had some good questions. Um, where was I at? Oh, yeah. So let's say as a teenager, so even if you reverse on God and turn to hate God, if you are saved as a teenager, say, so let's say that you're saved, you're a Christian, you obey the gospel the way the Bible says to obey the gospel, and then you talk to a, 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 a an Orthodox Jew, and the Orthodox Jew try, convinces you that Christ is not the Messiah. 
and convinces you to be circumcised and go back under the law of Moses and try your best to keep the law of Moses. You have fallen from grace at that point. Christ is of none effect to you. You have, quote unquote, lost your salvation. You went from saved to not saved. If you think that that's wrong, then you've got a problem with the book of Galatians. Now, you might say, well, that's impossible to do today. I get it. You're right. That's Romans chapter 8. Nobody can snatch a Christian out of God's hand. But you know what can happen? That Christian can decide to leave God's hand and go back under the law of Moses. You are not giving any argumentation other than your feelings. You've got to give us book, chapter, and verse. Now, listen, I'm, I have so much patience and understanding with this particular denominational dogma because when I grew up, I was under the understanding, really and truly, not once saved, always saved, but once lost, always lost. It's almost like once you're saved, you, you if you make one one mistake, you're just bound for hell and you can't get right and you're not going to be right because you're just an old worthless, wretched sinner. And I used to think that that's what I was taught. I don't think that's what I was taught because I, I'm looking back, I know who was teaching and I'm like 98% sure that's not what they believed. I think that's just a me thing. Okay. But when I look at first John and I look at God's second law of pardon. Let me tell you something. Once God has you, he will not lightly relinquish you. Oh, let's put this one up. Even if you wanted to be unsaved, the Lord cannot deny himself. I mean, what do you do with that, folks? For those of you that watch us in the live stream all the time, what do you do with this? You cannot have an intelligent conversation with somebody like this. And this is why, incidentally, the atheist and the Christian haters, maybe they're one and the same, I don't know, but that's why they cannot stand Christianity because you have people out here representing Christianity like this with these very illogical arguments. Because as an atheist, you hear people like Christ brings a sword say, well, once you're saved, you're always saved. And even if you wanted to be unsaved, you couldn't be unsaved. Well, the atheist reads Galatians chapter 5 and says, well, you can be unsaved if you decide to keep the law of Moses. So there's a scenario right there that we can craft that can show how somebody can fall from grace and how Christ can become of no effect unto them. What's the deal? What do you do with that? So I don't know. I mean, I... I I appreciate that Christ brings a sword has not turned vitriolic because a lot of people do. And y'all have seen that quite a bit, but I don't know. That's, um, that's interesting. That's all I can say. All right. I have not forgot about the other fella. I'm going to pull this off the screen. Let me go back up here. That's it. Unless they have a book, chapter, and verse, you can't argue with them. 
Absolutely. All right, let me go back up. Ben Grady. Listen, Ben Grady has studied this extensively. He's he's gotten some good material on this. And John Exum's got some wonderful comments. All right, right here. This is the first comment that I saw. Yes, t uh, Timothy 2.13, first off, that put re-up your comment there and put whether or not it's first or second. If you're going to, but yeah, he cannot lie either. Anyway, um, all right, so I, I'm past. We're going to, we're just, Christ brings a sword. I'm I'm done with you, Bubba. All right, um, because you actually affirm that even if somebody hates God, denies his existence, blasphemes the Holy Ghost, you still say that they can go to heaven. All right. Do we not have to be born again to live according to the word? I am so sorry. I did this the other day. I changed one word and, and I messed it up. All right. Do we not have to be born again and live according to the word? Yes. Unequivocally, yes. How can you be saved and then choose not to live according to his word? There are people who have a kind of uh, 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 cognitive cognitive dissonance, a kind of uh, moral dissonance. They compartmentalize, and I do know some people who have have been born again, obeyed the gospel. Those those two things are interchangeable. So you'll hear me say born again. You'll hear me say obey the gospel. I try not to do it as much, but you'll hear me say baptized. And all three of those are metonyms for, quote, unquote, they're saved. All right. Um, so whenever someone is saved, they, they, some people will, can have a kind of, uh, of, of moral dissonance, and they can compartmentalize their Christian faith and their life in the, quote, unquote, world. And you'd be surprised, or I don't know, maybe you wouldn't be. It surprises me sometimes of um, just how immoral people can immoral people can be who have obeyed the gospel. Now, the question that's that's been on the table between Christ brings a sword and the audience and myself is once those people who are born again choose to go back to the mire, well, are they still saved? I, I put forth to you the Bible clearly teaches that they are not. So let me finish your, um, let me finish rest your comment. And John Exum, people try so hard to kick against the goads, myself included, John, myself included. All right. So yes, we are given grace, but we have to be born again. It should not just be internal change, but a change others can see. That's it. That's it. Um, good point there with that, especially with that last, um, Especially with that last that that last thrust. All right. Did not the Greeks make it unlawful to follow God's word? Jay, I don't know. I thought the, the Romans for sure. I don't know the Greeks did. Anyway, people have made it unlawful to follow God's word for sure. Did they not kill the women who circumcised their children and put them and their children to death? I would imagine there is a time in history where the Jews uh, were persecuted because of their religious beliefs. 
So being separated from God has made has been made out to be normal. We don't even know the customs of the people of God. Jay, you may be on to something there. You may be on to something there. We have kind of normalized. Well, one of my mentors uh, talked about a sermon that he preached about Christians need to get out of the sin business. It's almost like in an effort to make people not pessimistic about their salvation, sometimes Bible class teachers or gospel preachers will go so far as to uh, make people convinced that they have no choice but to sin, but that's okay because God's grace will cover it. And that's not really true. You don't have to sin. We got to get out of the sin business. You don't have to sin. However, you're probably going to because guess what? You're a human. I'm, when I say you, I'm not talking about you, Jay. I'm talking about people listening. I'm a human. So I'm, I'm probably going. In fact, it's been a minute, a hot minute, a long minute since I've sinned. However, I got to live through the next week at least. I, I got to be careful. I could sin. If I'm walking in the light as he is in the light, I've got a beautiful promise that Jesus' blood will cleanse me from that sin. All right, now, um, uh-oh, oh, there it is. Um, oh, yeah, now, I don't need to think that because of grace I have an excuse to sin and Jesus is going to cover the gap between what I'm supposed to be and what I am, I need to think of it like this. There is a zero tolerance policy for sin. One little old bitty stinking tiny little bitty T90 sin is enough to keep me out of heaven. And if I do that, then I am worthy of eternal damnation because I have sinned against the almighty God creator of the universe. But because somebody has paid the price for that sin, I have the privilege and the chance to live again. I believe that's why people that continue in sin, it is said of them, they crucify Christ in open shame because it's almost as if every time you sin, the, the death of Christ has to kick in and cover that sin. That's why it's such an egregious thing to live in sin so that grace may abound. So let's think of it like that. And we don't need to normalize sin. We need to normalize holiness. And Romans chapter 6 is a formula for not sinning. We need to lend our members as instruments of righteousness. Because if we don't lend our members as instruments of righteousness, the devil will use our idle members as instruments of wickedness. All right, and and thank you so much for this good encouragement. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, Peter said, repent, be baptized so that your sins are forgiven. That's it. You got to repent. You got to change your way. If we can't fall away, why are there so much teaching from, a, from apostasy in the scriptures? That's a good question, Rusty. That's a good question. Let me get this. 
Oh, that's Ben. Ben, that's such a good, listen, you got good comments here, but they're so lengthy. I just want to let them sit there so the folks can read them in their own time. Um, for in the case of those, oh, Hebrews six, four through six. Yeah. Good, good, good section. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be, uh, I don't know the word. I'm trying to select, be selected with the comments for time's sake. Um, yeah, the Hebrews writer says, literally says, fallen away. Now, John, you know, the Hebrews writer didn't say that he wrote it. Sorry. That's uh, who do you think I was mimicking there? Uh, John knows anyhow. Um, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandments delivered. Folks, <laughs> that's again. The atheist listening to the Christian that thinks this once saved, always saved is true, reads a verse like this and like, well, y'all are just, forgive me for saying this, but the atheist will be like, well, y'all are just a bunch of idiots. Y'all don't even know what's in the book you claim to follow. What are you, a bunch of goons or something? A bunch of ideologues that don't know what's going on? I thought that there was, yeah, right here. All right, I'm going to click this. I don't think people take the time to study what God had an issue with in the Old Testament and how they turned their backs on God. And I feel Christians don't take that with respect to uh, Yahushua, Jesus. In Matthew 21, Jesus went into the temple because they were defiling the temple of the Most High. In Matthew 23, he called the Pharisees hypocrites. I don't think people take the time to understand what Jesus represents and the standards and how he lived with respect to people he came from and how God felt in the Old Testament. God does not change. And I'm not speaking about God's promises to his people, but in general, that's a, I'm glad you made that distinction because a lot of times, well, God doesn't change. Well, okay, so you're saying that I need to sacrifice animals? Because that's what God said to do one time. So God has changed. But yeah, God, his nature doesn't change. He can He can, He can. can make his promises contingent upon our actions. He can change his mind. What about the flood? It repented God. He changed his mind there about the creation. And he said, you know what? I'm going to wipe them all out except for these eight souls, no one is family. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Jay Wise. Much love. Thank you. And uh, Reginald Perry, uh, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoops. Uh, unto eternal life, Jude 21. And I know it says Jude 121, but uh, there's just one chapter in Jude. Uh, so th again, notice the implications, notice the implications of that. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Folks, that one verse right there is the keystone to understanding all those other eternal life verses. You understand we haven't obtained eternal life yet. You understand that in a very technical sense, now I want you all to lean in and listen to this. 
because I'm going to be very pedantic here. In a very technical sense, we are not saved yet. Let me give you an illustration that explains what I'm trying to say. So we're in a 100-story building, and there is a fire on the bottom 10 stories. The smoke is billowing. The fire is raising, rising. It cannot be put out. So there are 100 people. I know it's a very, I'm, I'm, I'm using simple round numbers. There's 100 people in this 100-story building. And so everybody says, there is a helicopter coming to take us away, to save us. So we have to get to the roof. And so we start climbing the fire escapes and we start climbing the stairs and we are muscles aching, lungs burning. We are looking for that sweet salvation of the roof. The location of salvation is on the roof. And once we bust open those doors to get on the roof, we bask in that beautiful sunlight. We breathe that fresh, clean air that, that is not tainted with the putricity of the smoke. And we exclaim, and rightly so, God be thanked, we are saved. But the helicopter never comes, and we die because we burn up with the building. We have to get through this life. And if we die in faith, we live in paradise until the helicopter comes. Jesus. The difference between Jesus and the helicopter in my illustration, Jesus, you can depend on him. He's going to keep his promise. So there is a very real sense in which we do not have salvation. We do not have eternal life until the second coming. Don't change your nomenclature. Don't change the way you speak of this because you can boldly say as a Christian, I am saved. Why? Well, because God is sure and his promises are sure. God is God never has an afterthought. That's it. All right. Let me go up. Do you really think God changed his mind? The flood was in God's plan before the world was created. I wouldn't say the flood was in his plan before the world was created. Um, I also don't think God changed his mind the way we Again, you got to understand, we're dealing with a being that we cannot relate to. We can't understand God any more than any more than my dog can understand me. The only way I heard this illustration. Think about this: uh, if you're an author writing a book, the characters in your book. They cannot understand you, the author, and the only way that character in that book would ever be able to be aware of your existence is if you wrote yourself into the book as a character. Now think about Jesus. So remember, whenever we anthropomorphize God, which is give him human characteristics, it, it's, it's not perfect. 
because I mean, how can it be? You know. Um. But yeah, I appreciate that, Susan Marie. It's a good question. Very good question. Um. So man, there's so many, so many good comments. I can't get them all. Um. He still commands complete obedience. Absolutely. Yeah, God is too awesome to comprehend, to fully comprehend. We can comprehend. That, that's the beautiful thing is God has, well, do you want to take on the divine nature? Increase in the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ and add to your faith, and, and add to your faith virtue to virtue, so on and so forth. And by, by doing that, you're going to be, be partaker of, divine, of the divine nature. God knew all that would happen from the beginning to the end, so the flood must have been on his mind the entire time. Yes, 100%, Danny. That and that's that's um oh, let me Reginald, I don't I've got I've I've had Reginald's comment on the screen for I don't know for how long. I don't want him to get a complex thinking I've put him on blast. Um well, where is that I wanted to I wanted to put that comment from Danny on screen, but I can't find it. Uh-oh. Ah. Yeah, right here. Danny Mentor. Uh, God knew all that would happen from the beginning to the end. The flood must have been on it. I, I don't, the, the emphasis is mine. The flood must have been on his mind the entire time. Uh, now that's 100% unequivocally no mitigation necessary, true. And I, I'm glad that you commented that because that is a far cry different than God planned it. In fact, I would say that because of the ark and because of, of what happened after the flood with the rainbow and the covenant and stuff like that, that God didn't plan the flood but God planned for the flood. God planned for man's fall. The reasons for the flood. Eh, Jay, I would like to push back on that. I don't want to do it in this podcast. So I want you to keep. Um, in fact, is the, what's today? Is today Thursday? Today is Friday. Let me tell you what. Monday. Let me. Uh-oh. My ink pen. Monday. I want to do a live stream on the Nephilim and the sons of uh, the sons of God and the daughters of men and all that. I do not believe that those were fallen angel angels that that procreated with man. Now, if you do, that's fine. There's a lot of people that do, but I would at least like to offer my 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 explanation. But I don't want to do it on this podcast. We're like 47 minutes in already, so. You opened up a can of worms, Jay. You need to put them back in the can, buddy. Um, yeah, Genesis 6-4. Uh, oh, what's going on with my computer? Okay, we're good. Um, but but yes, it's good stuff, and I, I love talking about it. Um, also, I wanted to that add this. Who gave those men authority to determine what is okay to take out of the Bible? It says in Revelation 22, 18 through 19 as well, Deuteronomy 4, 2, do not add to nor take away. Hey, man, there's also one in Proverbs, the very end of Proverbs chapter 4, uh, don't 
don't walk to the left or to the right. And I believe there's a don't add to and don't take away in that chapter. But I know in Proverbs there's a don't add to the law of God in that in that book. So you've got this admonition not to add to or take away in the Pentateuch, in the wisdom literature, and then at the end of the New Testament. It's almost like the beginning, the middle, the end, admonitions not to change God's word. Um, yeah, I don't know it either, evidently. Thought I did. Danny Mentor, here's a good good question. In fact, there's a real good question to wrap the show up on. If we don't agree with what the word of God can can we be of the one faith, the one salvation? Absolutely not, and absolutely yes. Okay? Now, how in the world can that be? Tony, it sounds like you're a politician now, speaking out of both sides of your mouth. I promise I'm not. There are things concerning which we must agree. However, there are matters of academic pursuit that we all can hold matters of personal faith. For instance, Romans chapter 14 through 15, 7 or 8 talks about issues of personal faith. There's also academic pursuits. For instance, I'll use one, the gift of the Holy Ghost. P- please give your email address again. Um, I shall. If uh, let me boop 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 boo. What am I doing here? Oh, let me Sue. Let, let me let me let me put it up on the screen after I get Danny's after I after I answer this with with Danny. Uh, if we don't agree with what the, with with what the Word of God says, can we be of the one faith and one salvation? All right. So we we understand about scruples, matters of judgment, um, personal convictions. Okay, like eating meat. Some people eat meat. Some people don't. Uh, some people celebrate holy days. Some people don't. Right. Okay. However, what about academic pursuits? Now let me let me give you well. F- first off, an academic pursuit would be the uh, the Nephilim, the the Genesis chapter 6. You know, did angels procreate with, uh, with women, human women, and create offspring? Or what was that uh, godly men went to ungodly women and produce offspring that were raised in an ungodly way that was the beginning of the world being very wicked and focusing on nothing but wickedness continually. So God sent the flood. That's an academic pursuit. You do not have to agree. We do not have to be in agreement on that. Um, with uh, the, the gift of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Uh, repent ye therefore and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There are three separate viewpoints that do no harm to scripture that you can hold and 
only one is correct, or maybe none of them are correct, but for sure, all three of them cannot be correct. And that's the gift of the Holy Ghost is salvation and all its attending blessings. The gift of the Holy Ghost is the Holy Ghost himself, and this is the the non-miraculous indwelling of of the Holy Ghost. Or number three, um, the gift of the Holy Spirit is in reference to the prophetic outpouring of power that was given to the apostles and then through the medium of the apostles was given to uh, the rest of Jewry and then to the Gentiles through the medium of Cornelius and his household. So all three of those are are valid and viable. They don't do damage to the text, and you don't have to agree with me on as far as what that is, but that's an academic pursuit. Um, I'm trying to think of something else that comes to mind, but that's, that's the main one. So yeah, since Tony and I have supped together, I can give the example that we differ regarding the gift of the Holy spirit, but I don't see him any different, uh, simply because we don't hold the same view exactly. And, and we can, we can talk about it. We can talk about the, uh, 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 English folks, English. Pros and cons is not what I want, but I'm going to have to use pros and cons. We can talk about the pros and cons of each view and I can, and look, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, and I'll, I'll go back since, since Jonathan, since John, John Exum and I, we know one another and we've ate, eaten together. We have this relationship that transcends social media. I think John's wrong because he disagrees with me. <laughs> See how that works? John, are you okay? Are you going to live? Uh, you're not hurt too bad, are you? That I think that you're wrong. You see how that works. You know, we can be very passionate and dogmatic in our convictions when it comes to scruple and when it comes to academic pursuits. But we don't need to have falling outs over them. Jay Wise, and I study the Bible with respect to understanding the full story the books they took out of the Bible that lines up with the overarching message. Whoops. We jumped. Hold on. All right. Now, I think I got her if she don't jump. The books that they took out of the Bible that line up with the overarching message of the word, and I study the history of religion itself to navigate and connect the dots, I feel like all believers should do so, and I don't trust seminary schools either because they also teach a philosophy of how they all are used to are used for different purposes. I am not just, I am not just one, the mind to accept that. I hope you understand where I'm coming from. I absolutely do. You are, you are a prime candidate for, for Bible study, for what we do here. Listen, I don't, I don't, I don't hold allegiance to any man-made denomination. Well, that's silly. All denominations are man-made, are they not? I don't hold any any allegiance to any denomination. I want to go back. In the United States, the Mississippi River runs from, I mean, it may run, it may start in Canada, but it runs all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. Now, I grew up in the south in northwest Tennessee, and you could go east. Nope, nope, nope. You could go west, and you could you could run into the Mississippi. It's dirty. You wouldn't you wouldn't put a cup in the Mississippi River as it's running through Tennessee and drink without really purifying that water. 
But let me tell you something. When you go all the way back to the headwater, the, the origin, you dip that cup into that beautiful water. It's clear. It's clean. I don't know how to explain it, but it's got a sweet taste. I've never tasted the Mississippi, but I've drank from springs, and that's where the Mississippi River comes from. It's fed by, by uh, springs and runoff from the snows on the mountains and stuff like that that's filtered through the rocks. It's wonderful, okay? That's go back to the source. And Danny, I think that, or excuse me, uh, Jay, I think that's, I think that's your desire. I think that's your desire. I think you just want to go back to the source. That's what we want to do here. That's why we say our brand is Christianity now because it's, it's Christianity, but it's timeless. So we want to, we want to go all the way back to the source and take Christianity before it was perverted by man and bring it forward to now, this day and age, this point in time. Uh, in my own feeble mind, I believe that if it was miraculous indwelling, then it ended when the Bible was completed. Right. And I don't know of anybody that thinks it's the miraculous indwelling. Um, but it's good stuff, though. You're, you know, we, we, we just study on that. Denomination means one of many, and Jesus did not create one of many. Oh, dude. My, one of my favorite passages, Mark, uh, Matthew, Matthew. Um, 16. And when Jesus came into this coast of Caesarea, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man am? And they said, well, some say that thou art John the Baptist and others, Jeremiah and others, Elias or one of the, one of the prophets. And he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Well, Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which art in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven, that whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, folks. The rock upon which the church was built, and that word in English means the same thing as it does in Greek. It's a definite article. It means the one and only one. It's the truth that Jesus is the Son of God. It's not built on Peter, the Pope. It's built on the truth, the confession of that Jesus is the Son of God. And the door, the gate, by which one enters into the Hadean realm is death. And the, the death of Jesus would not inhibit him from establishing his church. That's the church we need to get back to. And I can't speak for any other church in the United States, Canada, or anywhere else in the world, but where we are, we are a congregation of people who are part of the church that Jesus built the solid foundational statement that he is the son of God. You got that. And I'm not going to come on your Facebook profile to offer a dissent or make a video putting you on blast because we disagree. I've seen it done. Absolutely. John Exum. 
Absolutely. Excellent point right here. Excellent point, Danny. Denomination means one of many, and Jesus did not create one of many. All right, folks, we didn't talk a single bit about James except to establish the the thesis of the book of James is to practice pure religion and undefiled before God the Father. So, uh, yeah, but Monday, we're going to be back, Lord willing. Same bat time, same bat channel. And I want to talk about these Nephilim. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Jay. Jay, tune in. And, and if you're not convinced, we're okay. We don't, have to, we don't have to agree on that. But I would like to, I would like to share with you what I, what I, the conclusions I've drawn from my study. We are all part of the same body of the Savior, his church. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Sue Ross. See, Sue, you just, thank you. That's about all I can say. Uh, is this the email that you meant? So this is an email. You can email me here, but I'm going to put, so here's the reason I put a tip jar up. This is not a ministry associated with a church. Me and Aaron Dotson do this of our own volition, and we're trying to grow this, and we're trying to grow our audience because we want to, um, well, we, we want to have something to, something to help us out in our old age because gospel preachers, vocational preachers, unless they've been really, 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 really smart, they don't have much of a retirement. And I haven't been really, really smart. Uh, I can't say the same for Aaron. I don't know about that, but, um, that's why we're doing this. We want it. We, we think it's a good work. We think it's good to have content like this out there. And well, that's, that's about all I'm going to say. Labor's worthy of his hire. If you like what we do, you can send us PayPal near churches at gmail.com, or you can do $5 a month on Substack or you can buy a year subscription of Substack, but the subscription on Substack is absolutely free. Uh, you can just do a $5 a month subscription. Watch the weather if you're in the Southeast today and tomorrow. Yeah, folks, y'all be careful down there. Mary Pryor says, I think the rock upon which the church was built was that Peter and Jesus recognized each other as to who they were. Jesus says, if you confess me, I will confess you. I mean, I, I have no problem with that. I think that's absolutely part of it. Um, Rusty Kirby, thank you very much, man. I appreciate that. Enjoy the conversation. Uh, yeah, dude, let me tell you something. We have really, and by we, I say y'all is what I should say, have cultivated an audience, and the YouTube is what blows my mind. We have such good, such good participation on YouTube, but I think, I don't know, today Facebook may have won out. Um but anyway, that that's all I've got. Uh, I'm gonna put the uh, I'm gonna put the overlay up here. Um, I say I am, right here. All right, for those of you still watching, uh, Substack, five dollars a month if you want to support us, or um, just go subscribe on Substack and share the content. Oh, I want to get this Terry Crocs. Many people hold their own beliefs about God, but they often neglect to read the written text. It is important to keep the, the verse, fear God and keep his commandments in our minds. Starting our journey with, with the verse, if you love me, keep my commandments is essential. That's a good post right there. Um, 
I actually agree with you on most of everything you said. We, the church, do a live uh, on Facebook just like you. I will add a share for your videos. Well, I appreciate it, Jay. I appreciate you very much. Well, listen, God bless every one of you. Thank you so much. Uh, we didn't get to talk about James much. I'm actually going to have to revamp the the um, the description of this video, uh, but that's good. That's fine. It, it's the the, the the live stream is y'all's. I, I just kind of try to guide it. But if you want to listen to, um, that's right. By this, do y'all? I got to quit reading y'all's comments. We'll be here for ten hours. Okay. By this, do we know that we know him? If we keep his commandments, do you ever feel like you're not saved? That's okay. Join the club. Just keep doing the work. That that's the point of that. All right. For archives of this audio, you can go to Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. Go to Cogitations. Search Cogitations on your podcast platform, and you'll find us. Or we archive these on YouTube. We just leave them up as is. No editing. No nothing. Good, bad, or Good, bad, and ugly, right, wrong, or indifferent. We just leave them up. Um, other than that, I can't, I can't express it enough, Substack. And then, of course, the uh, Understanding the Time uh, Instagram. I just cannot believe it. Oh, uh, Jesse May, great discussion. Look forward to the next one. We got a comment on the Instagram. I'm famous on multiple platforms. That's awesome. All right. Sorry. Um, that's it. None of us are perfect. You got that right. Um, all right. I'm done. No more comments. God bless you. Do all the stuff and we'll catch you on the flip side.